Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Prophetic Mantle Radio Show with your host, Apostle Rosalind Solomon. Every Tuesday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, come learn the mystery of God and be blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you. 
afternoon. This is Prophetic Mantle's uh, radio show. <laughs> this is yours, Apostle Rosal Solomon. I hope you heard that song because I tried to record it on my computer and and my computer just wanted to keep doing updates and updates and updates. And by the time it got time to come on here, I wasn't able to record it, so I said I'll just play it. It's by Ben Tanker. It's called Seven Days Without Prayer. Uh, so we don't want to go seven days without prayer. <laughs> you need prayer. So I wanted to play it because I like it. It's a, it's a nice song, and I just recently discovered it. So I am here today because the Father has deemed me to come here because I had said on my Patreon that um, I'm off of YouTube and I'm off of Facebook to further notice and um, that I would still be on my Patreon and um, I would still come to the blog when led, you know, um, to further notice. I will be coming back on Tuesday soon, but to further notice. <laughs> but whenever the Lord uh, leaves me to come on, I will come on. That's what I let them know on Patreon. And uh, I won't be on Periscope neither to further notice, but my Periscope is still there. Um, so that's just how it's going to be to further notice. So, you know, at times when the Lord has me to come on here, I will. So now I've learned something astonishing <laughs> about angels and tithing. I mean, it's astonishing. And so the Lord was like, you have to teach my sheep, my people. This, and once they know this, it'll change everything. It's like a game changer, for real. But first, um, he wanted me to go over some things teaching first. Um, It's not going to be a long teaching, um, maybe an hour, I don't know. But you really need to listen to this this entire teaching because at the end of the teaching is the boom, the big boom (laughs) that I'm going to tell you at the end that I learned and the Father taught me. And, and confirm because I learned it from someone else, and then I confirmed it with the Lord, and then he gave me more. So that's going to be at the end. First, I have to tell you this part so you can get to what I'm saying at the end. So here we go. Now, uh, one second. Now, despite the fact that many people use the word tithe, you know, with any church-related giving, the word tithe is literally, it means tenth. So for those of you who don't know that the word tithe, T-I-T-H-E, literally means tenth, T-E-N-T-H. So this is why we give God ten, press ten, well, in, in biblical days it was tenth, but in our day it's ten percent of everything. It could be ten percent of your salary uh, every week, every two weeks, once a month, if you want to say income. Um, if you get a bonus, you got to give them that. Somebody gives you nice hunk of change, you get a windfall, 10%. God wants 10% of everything, <laughs> not just our paychecks or whatever we get. He also wants 10% of your time. You know what I mean? Now, the tithe was um, obligatory offering from the law of Moses requiring 10% of all ivory, a.k.a. Israelites, First fruits, because God provided the harvest, the first part was returned to him. It was a reminder to Israel that all things we have are God's. It was a show of thankfulness for his provision. It also provided for Levitical priesthood, festivals, and the needy. So I'm going to 
have you listen to a few things here. Now, tithing before Moses. Now, the first tithe. That's the very first tithe. That's Genesis chapter 14, verses 19 to 20. Genesis chapter 14, verses 19 to 20. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed by God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, Abram, which is Abram, which is Abraham, had just returned from defeating the armies of the four kings, rescuing his nephew Lot. Now, I know all y'all recall that from the movies and the Bible. And reclaiming his possessions, and he's met by an enigmatic priest of God Most High named Melzadak. The priest attributes Abram's victory to God, possessor of heaven and earth, and he blesses Abram. In gratitude of God, Yahweh's authority and blessing, Abram gives Melzadak a tenth of his possession. He doesn't do it to invoke God's blessing. He does it in response to God's blessing. So people don't realize this, and they don't really teach you this at church, the the, the whole essence of this. Abraham was the first one to give a tithe to God. Adam and Eve, they never gave a, a tithe. They gave offerings, you know. We know, like, Abel and Cain did that, so forth like that, right? But uh, Ephraim, which is Abraham, was the first one to really give a tithe offering to God, attempt to God. And a lot of people said that Mesodak was Yeshua, and I feel that it was Yeshua too because Yeshua says he's been here a thousand times already before he became the Messiah, right? So Abraham was the first one to give 10% to God. This is why it says in the Bible that all of the children are are entitled to the bread of Abraham, we are entitled to the perpetual, eternal blessing that God gave Abraham. And the reason why is because Abraham was our one of our forefathers. He was our, uh, one of our forefathers. So he was the first one to give an offering. So when he gave that offering, God made it an offering on the altar in the heaven for all seeds to come forth from him. So whoever decides to be a child of the Most High coming through Yah falls under that blessing. So you will perpetually be blessed, but there are laws and rules for us to be able to be able to be a part of that inheritance. Everybody who's a child of God is entitled to the bread, but they're not always entitled to the blessings, and I'm going to tell you why. And there's laws and things that we have to do to continuously be eligible for that blessing, okay? And and, and even your your household you know, people in your household, your kids, your family, your husband, whatever, right? And they're not of the Lord as of yet. Or they currently might have stepping. But if you are right with Lord, like Aphraim was, then your blessing that you're inheriting from Aphraim's seed will cover your household. But eventually the people in your household will have to come to God. So your children, your husband, you know, people who live under your household or people who are physically, spiritually under your household that may not live with you like your children, the reason why they're getting blessed and they're not living right, but the reason why they're getting jobs, they're getting job promotions, they're getting new cars, you know, they're getting happier, they're better, but they're still walling in sin is because they are reaping from you, which you are reaping from the inheritance that you are entitled to through Aphron because you became a righteous one of God. 
So when you become a righteous one of God, and then to the best of your ability, and you sold and tie as well as Ephraim, one of your forefathers, then you inherit the same blessing. So now, Jacob's offering a tenth. That's, I mean, Jacob's offering a tithe. That's Genesis 28, verses 20 to 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way, that I go and I will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Jacob responds to a dream he has received from God, Yahweh, by building an altar and vowing that in exchange for God's care provision, he would give a tenth of his belongings. So now, Jacob was basically, in God's eyes, the second one after Ephraim to give a tithe. So he gave that tithe, and God took that tithe as the tithe for the twelve tribes of Judah, you know, that they came from um, their father, Jacob, okay? So that's how it was taken to cover the inheritance of the 12th tribe of Judah. Now, many people who are alive today come from the 12th tribe of Judah, the long lineage line, you know? I mean, it's not just black people no more because black people have mixed with white folks and have mixed with Chinese, da. So their kids are in line for these these blessings as well, but you know, there's a little other stuff in the Bible I'm not even going to get into about the mixed tribes, but it's in there. Okay, so so now the third one was when Moses said, what Moses said about tithing. That's the tithe is introduced as a law. See, the tithe was not introduced as a law until Moses came on the scene. You understand? That's Leviticus 27, verses 30 and 34. So tithing was not a law until Moses came on the scene, and God gave him 613 commandments, okay? So now every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Now, here we see Moses giving, we, we, we see Moses giving, the tithe as a law. We see him giving it as a law. The first 10% is called holy. So when we first tithe our 10% of anything we get, it is a holy sacrament 10th tithe onto God's altar in heaven. Although you're giving the money to church, whoever you, you know, God is leading to, most people don't even let God lead them. They just go and do it themselves, and they could be sowing into a negative harvest, and this is why they're not reaping anything. You could be in a dead apostate church that doesn't even have the Holy Spirit or angels in it, and you're sowing it, and you're not reaping anything, okay? So you really need to pray to God and ask God where you should sow your seed. Okay, and sometimes you'll be surprised when he tell you to sow it. But your first tenth seed, 10%, is called the Holy Seed. Or it is set apart as belonging to God. So they don't teach you this in church that, okay, they tell you that the 10% 
You have to give it to God. But they don't tell you that it belongs to God. See, 90% belongs to us. See, he's a good God. He lets us have 90%. That's where your wealth comes from. When you start giving out your 90%, then your blessings really start pouring from Abraham's inheritance. But as long as you give me your 10%, then God promises to abide and keep you safe, keep roof over your head, and keep you from getting hungry. But the wealth comes from the 90%, and, and we'll get into that in a minute. Now, the Israelites were to return to God what was already his, and in doing so, recognize the Almighty's provision. If for some reason someone needed to redeem or keep all or portion of the goods he was to tie, he could just give money instead. However, the cash would need to be equal to the tithe value plus an extra fifth. In other words, the Israelites could give 10% in produce or 12% in cash. Now, when it came to livestock, a shepherd had to set aside every tenth for God. It was decided by simply counting the animals, consecrating every tenth. The shepherd was not to be deciding based on the quality of the animal. Okay, so now the fourth tithe. The fourth tithe was established for the Levites. That's number 1821. See, the Levite tribe was very special to God because they were a priesthood. They were the ones that carried the ark, and they were the ones that were allowed to go into the church, you, you know, the tent church that Moses had made. Uh, you know, they had to go in there first and do all offerings because God established them as the first priesthood. So people who are in the bloodline of the Levites, you'll know it because you are a priesthood. Like uh, you you could be a special type of prophet. You could be a special type of evangelist or an apostle. You know, you, you, you can be different from your peers. If you're a prophet, you could be different from other prophets. If you're an apostle, you could be different from other apostles. If you're an evangelist, um, if you're a seer, you could be different from other seers. You can have special abilities or you can see further or your eagle eye is sharper. That's because you have the bloodline of the Levites in you, and you can pray and ask God, you know, if you feel like you differ from other people in your category, your other peers in your category in the ministry, you can pray and ask God, do you come from the bloodline of the, of the Levites and the Benjamin tribe? Now, if you study on the Benjamin tribe, you will find that they can't really trace the Benjamin tribe um, anymore, uh, maybe after 100 years after, you know, all things were said and done from the book of uh, Jubilee and so forth like that, uh, they say Benjamin's bloodline died out, but it didn't. They just can't trace what happened to his bloodline. If you do your history, you really can't find out what happened to baby Benjamin's bloodline. But also God said there was a special priesthood that came out of the Benjamin bloodline as well. So some people could be functioning in, in the Benjamin's priesthood uh, bloodline as well. So you need to pray and ask God which tribe you come from. Because although it's been thousands of years ago, the bloodline is still carrying on. God said in the Bible he would curse King David's bloodline to the 11th generation. Okay? So that's telling us generations go far. There's a hundred and something years in every generation, maybe even more. Now, uh, so Leviticus number 1821, to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do their service in the tent of meetings. The Levites served as a special function in Israel. They ministered before God as Israel priests at God's command. 
The Levites didn't share in the other tribes' inheritance. The Lord was their portion and inheritance. Here we see the Lord established that Israel's tithes will operate as payment to the Levitical priests for their service. So you get this. The Lord separated them from the other 11 tribes. God didn't share the inheritance from Joseph and Abraham to the Levites. God gave them their own inheritance. That's what makes them special. See, they don't teach you this in church. The Levites have their own inheritance directly from God himself. Whereas everyone else from the other 11 tribes and the mixed tribes, which are the half tribes, you can learn about in the book of Jubilee. And uh, what's the other book? I believe you could, it, it may be in some of the Enoch books. I'm not, or I'm not sure. But I know it's in the book of Jubilee and the book of Barak. So the Levites tri- tri- priest tribes get their inheritance directly from God. Now, do we know what that inheritance is? No, <laughs> I mean it could be just as good as Abraham's. It could be more. I don't know, but God decided to give them their inheritance directly from Him. The other eleven tribes and the half tribes get their inheritance from Abraham, Joseph, and then Moses made it a law. Okay, so now the Levites tied number eighteen twenty six. Moreover, you shall speak and say to the Levites when you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. From the income that the Levites received from their tithe, from the tithe, they were still responsible for giving 10% off the top to God. So even though God gave them their inheritance directly from his own hands by having other tribes provide for them, See, you got to get this. God took the other 11 tribes, okay, and all the other half tribes, right, and their inheritance from Abraham and Joseph, which Moses made it into a law, they had to tie not only to God 10%, but they had to tie to the Levites. And then on top of that, the Levites had to tie from what they got. So that God positioned the Levites for his own mystery. And also, I believe in my spirit, it was to establish ministers, apostles, you know, the fivefold ministry. Because when you're in the ministry, um, some churches only live off of tithes, right? So God chose the Levites to be this special priesthood. And they could not work. They were dedicated to God and God only. So God had to find a way for them to be taken care of. So he had the 11 tribes give on to the Levites, and then the Levites had to give on to God through what they got. So that's like preachers and pastors in the church. When you give on to them, they still have to tie. But you got to lie, these preachers out here, they think they don't have to tie, and they have to tie. We all have to tie. So on top of that, God is telling the 11 tribes, which is spread all around the world now, that you still have to give them his 10%, but you still have to sow into the Levite priesthood, which is the church itself. That's when the seed come in. That's your seed offering. You got your tithe, you got your seed. You're supposed to be doing both of these every time you get money. Now, your seed is 90%. So the Israelites had 90% left. So whatever they decided to give to the Levites, God did not deem them. God didn't say, okay, I want you to give 5%, 10%, 20% to them. God said, I want you to give them what you give them out of the 90% I allow you to keep. 
So not only do we have to tithe in the church that we go to or the ministry we follow or listen to, because you have to sow where you're being, you have to tithe where you're being fed at. You can be sitting up in a church for years but not being fed and then turn around listen to a, 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 a media ministry, radio ministry, tent ministry, and, 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 and you're not sowing into to that ministry when that's the ministry you need to be sowing in because that's where you're getting fed. You sow into a one where you're not getting fed, and you sow there because you're obligated because that's where you physically sit your behind at. But the one you don't physically sit your behind at, but you sit your behind down to listen to, and the one, and that's the one that's getting you delivered by God's hand. You're getting blessed by God's hand. You see your family coming up by God's hand, but you're not feeding that one. See, that's a sin, and you'll get cut off. You'll get cut off. You have to sow where you're being fed not where you're obligated to. If you're being fed where you're obligated to, then that's where it goes. But if you're being fed elsewhere, you have to share those tithes and those seed offerings out of your 90% with both of those places. And this is some serious stuff. Now, um, hold on. Now, offering and tithes, Deuteronomy 12 Verses 5 to 6, Deuteronomy 12, verses 5 to 6. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifice, your tithes, and the contributions that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. Now, what is what is the free will offering? A free will offering is after you done paid your tithes, you done did a, a seed, uh, you decide to just give something extra. You can give, after you give your, your tithes monthly, weekly, you sow your seed out of your 90% monthly, weekly, however your income comes in, and you decide that you want to give a seed a couple of more times out, out, out of that month or week or whatever, you can do that. That's even more blessings for you because you freely did it. Okay, now, the tithe was not a violation of offering. The 10% off the top belonged to God, and the Israelites simply repaid it. But this wasn't the only obligation tithe. They also tithe to support a special jubilee festival, Deuteronomy 12, and took a third tithe every three years to take care of orphans, widows, and the poor, Deuteronomy 14. This mandatory offering averaged out to about 23% a year. So on top of these tithes, these were regular opportunities for free will offerings. These were generous gifts that expressed Israelites' gratefulness through voluntary giving in response to their devotion. At bare minimum, they gave 23% a year out of their 90%, but there was no ceiling on their generosity. They could give and frequently would give extra knowledge out of their excess. In response to Moses' call for contribution to the building of the tabernacle, the Israelites literally gave so much that Moses had to command them to stop giving. That was Exodus 36, verses 2 to 7. So now we should be giving at least once a year, twice a year, some type of orphanage if you or, or to homeless people. Me, I don't give to uh, orphanages because I really don't know any. I know they're out there, but I give a lot to the homeless people. I purposely will set out to give money to the homeless people. I will ask God, what should I get? Where should I go? And he'll tell me. So 
if you're doing free will offerings outside of your weekly tithing, monthly tithing, or every two-week tithing, outside of giving out of your 90% every week, every two weeks, or monthly, you still have to sow, do free will. Free will um, sowing, which which could be homeless people, uh, people, with, uh, it could be an orphanage, it could be your neighbor, it could be your children. They're you know when they're little, you're responsible for them, but when they grow, you're not responsible for them anymore. And you give to them, that's a free will. Um, when you give to your husband, you are free will, free willingly giving to yourself because you're one. Okay, um, if somebody at the job, you know, need a couple of dollars, and they say, can I borrow $10 to get something to eat, I pay back Friday, you can say, no, go and keep it, because that's your goodwill offering. So you should do those at least a couple of times a year, okay? Now, the seventh tithing for festivals, which is Deuteronomy 14.22, you shall tie all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year and before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat the tide of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. By God's design, the Israelites were celebratory people. Part of their time went to prepare for festivals and celebrations. Now, mind you, they used to teach us that these festivals was not for us. They used to teach us that it was for the people in Israel. But now we all know the Bible says the Sabbath is for all. So that means if the Sabbath is for all, so are the festivals. But because we were not grown up in the church off of these festivals, it's very hard for us to do them, and it's very hard for us to learn them. And God has excused it for now because he knows this, but we still need to keep the Sabbath. So when the Sabbath comes, you don't have to do it every Sabbath, but to make up for not um, doing free will seeds for festivals, you can take one Sabbath out of the month and, and sow a Sabbath seed to wherever you're being fed at. Or if you want to give it to a homeless, you want to give it to an uh, uh, orphanage, you know, wherever you want to give it to, give it where it is needed. This is some serious stuff here. They're not teaching this in the church. And this is going to make up for your seeds that we should be showing to these festivals that we don't know much about. Okay, now, tithing, what is that? One second, I'll do it later. (laughs) Tithing for orphans and widows, like, you know, I just basically went over that with you, but I'll still do it again. Deuteronomy 14, verses 28 to 29. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithes of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your town. And the Levites, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the soldiers, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your town shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands that you do. Now, the first time taken annually was used to support the Levites. So there you go again. Every three years, God also had them give the Levites a big seed. Now, mind you, they had to support them. They had to give them something out there, 90%. Every three years, they had to give them a big seat. Every third year, a special tithe was taken for the distinct purpose of supporting the Levites, the orphans, the widows, and strangers. Baked into God's law was a special provision to take care of the most vulnerable citizens. Interestingly enough, this included caring for people from outside of their community. So, me, 
instead of waiting every three years, I just do a little something every year because that every three years I would I would forget. <laughs> I would lose my course, <laughs> you know. So I just made a conscious decision every year. I was going to make sure that I get to some type of homeless place or if I find some type of orphanage, you know, or, um, you know, old folks home where there's a lot of just women, you know, or randomly pick some strange homeless person, you know, somebody or my family who needs it and give them a, a I'll just say a juicy seat. A juicy seat could be 100 bucks. It could be 200 bucks. It depends on if you're rich. It could be five grand. It could be 10. I don't know. But I just decided that that's what I would do once a year. Or I would give it to somewhere where I'm being fed at, you know, as far as ministry work, once a year. So basically we, we're supposed to be tithing every time we get paid or we come into money. Um, and you're supposed to take out of that 90%, whether it be 1%, 5%, 10%, whatever you want, and, and give it because that's a free will, all right? And then once a year, you should decide to give somewhere more than you normally have been given through that year. We are supposed to be doing this thing. God said this is why his people are not being blessed. And when I tell you the rest at the end, is going to blow your mind. He said, this is why my people are not being blessed. I, I, This is why I'm holding back blessings, holding them back. They're not being taught. This is why Satan is raising up pastors and prophets and all of this to tell you that, that tithing has been abolished, that sowing seeds has been abolished. You know, you don't got to help widows and orphans and homeless and strangers and blah, 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 anymore. You know, your kids is grown. You ain't got to get in no money no more. Look, God said you don't let nobody go hungry. So if you're going to go out there and feed strangers, you're going to go out there and feed everybody else, but you won't feed your own kids because they're grown. No. If it, 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 push comes to stuff, tell them they got to give it back. Put them on payment plan. But you, you can't deny them because they're people. They're your brothers. They're your sisters, whether they're your children or not. You know? Now, um... How Israelites tithe? Bring in the tithe. Second Chronicles, uh, chapter thirty-one, verses four to five. Chronicles thirty-one, chapters four to five. And he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites, that they might give themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people. And the people of Israel gave an abundance the first fruits of grains, wines, oils, honeys, honey, and all of the uh, produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Now, because we trade almost exclusively in our currency, it's fascinating to consider what it would be like in a largely cashless society. How do you tithe when tithing means setting aside 10% of your grain, wine, oil, honey, and produce? Bring it in your time is quiet and affair when you realize that it tells exactly the visions of annual goods, livestock, and then the responsibility of bringing them to your storehouse. Now, check this out. Why do you think we're this entire world is going to go into a cashless society? Do you think Satan is just doing that just to be doing that? Mm-mm. When we go into a cashless society, it's going to be very difficult to just give somebody money on the streets. We see homeless people, it's going to be very difficult. You're going to have to go and buy uh, gift cards, 10 gift cards with 5 or 10 bucks on them, just to keep it with you. So so, so when you run into these people, you'll have something to give them because you won't be able to give them anything. You won't be able to give them anything. When you go to church, I don't know how they're going to do it, 
when you go to church, you ain't ready to put cash in the, in the pots anymore. You know, it's going to be very difficult to give. Why do you think Satan is going to make our society a Catholic society? He's trying to abolish the tithe. And people cannot see that the enemy has been trying to abolish tithes and seed sowing forever because he knows that's how we get blessed. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. You hear people all the time, oh, you don't got to sow to get blessed. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, you don't got to sow an extra seed after 90% to get blessed. Oh, yes, you do. You don't have to annually give a big seed somewhere once a year. Oh, yes, you do. Read your Bible. I just gave you uh, uh, things that's in the Old and New Covenant in the Bible. Next one, number 10. This is called the, um, one second. This is called the 10th tithe. That was given. See, I'm giving you these tithes that were given in order. This is how God established tithing in the first place, and 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 free will giving and annual giving. Your free will giving is out your ninety percent. Your annual giving is what you give a big tithe once a year that you don't give all through the year, and then your tenth, which is your tithe, which means tenth to God, is your ten percent. Now. Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 35 to 37. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree. Your year by year to the house of the Lord, also to bring to the house of our God, to the priest who ministers in the house of our God, the firstborn of our son and of our cattle. It is written in the law and the firstborn of our herd and of our flocks and to bring the first of our dough and our contribution, the first of every tree, the wine and the oil to the priest to the chambers of the house of our God and to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our towns where we labor. See, the Levites, see, we don't know who the Levite tribes are in this world. So, God has put the church itself in the position to be the priest that's in the Bible. So you got to treat the church like you would treat the Levites. You have to give the Levites a tithe, which is the church. You get it? Why do you think he set the Levites aside? It was a parable for what's to come. Not only do you sow your tithes to your church, you Give free will seeds to your church or where, whatever your church is, whether it's a physical church, a media church, a radio church, whatever it is. You are to give to where you're being fed. Tithe plus a free will out of your 90%, whatever that is. And this is, they don't teach this to you. They don't, and they purposely do it that way. Now, Nehemiah is known for rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem as part of God's plan to restore Israel. After 70 years of captivity, preparing God's people for temple worship in their homeland required a reorientation to worship rhythms in the life of an Israelite. At this point, many Israelites had to live their entire lives in captivity, and while the stories and traditions were kept alive, Verbally, they no longer knew what it was like to live under the law. Here we have the reestablishment of the law in regards to offering and tithes. Even with this preparation, Nehemiah finds that the Levites aren't receiving the portion of the tithes that are being sustaining them. The church, how many of you know? I mean, you can read Nehemiah 13:10 for for what I just said. How many of you know the church 
whether it be in a building, a radio ministry, whatever, they're not being sustained. How many churches have closed? How many radio ministries? Ministries like mine, um, media ministries, little tent ministries, uh, uh, people who have ministry hotel. Um, how, how many have closed down? Some have closed down because God scattered the sheep because the church was no good. It was other enemy. It was a pop state church. And, and, but many more have closed down because people don't support those churches. They only support the big churches. And the big churches, which are the mega churches, are the ones that are the devils. They are most, not all of them, but a lot of them are the, 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 the seed of the devil in contract with Satan. But those are the ones you give because you equate their wealth to God's blessing when you're so foolish and you can't even see that. It's not even God blessing them. It's Satan blessing them because of the contract and the sacrifices and the things they do. And everybody that's in apostate church is, is in a dead church. So everybody is dead. And God said apostate churches would rise. I told you all this. So you need to check your church. If it's a big, mega church, you need to go to God and say, God, is this a prostate church? Is this a dead church? Get me out of here. If it is. If you giving and giving and giving to these big old churches, these medium-sized mega churches, you giving, 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 and you ain't catching not one blessing. Not one blessing. Always having a hard time getting rent up, mortgage up, feeding yourself. You can't keep a job. You can't get a job. You can't even keep gas in your car. You can't even buy soap to wash your behind. But yet you give faithfully to these churches, but you ain't reaping no harvest. That ought to tell you something. You need to go to God, talk to God about it. You need to go and talk to God about it. Number 11. And not just mega churches. Ministries like mine, media ministries, radio ministries, hotel ministries. You keep so and so and so and you're not reaping nothing. You need to ask God, okay, God, why am I not reaping? Is there something wrong with the church or is it me? Because you could be in a good church. You could be following a good um, media ministry. And, and, and many blessings and stuff is coming out of church because you see it, but yet you're not catching any blessings. So that means it is something about you. It's, it could be a generational curse you don't know about. It could be a sin that you don't even know you're doing. It could be a sin that you need to repent for that you don't even know. It could be anything you need to pray. Now, number 12, the Lord requires more than regular tithes. Amos 4 Verses 4 to 5. Amos 4, verses 4 to 5. Come to Bethel, transgress to Gal, multiply transgressions, bring your sacrifice every morning, your tithes every three days, after a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leavened, and proclaim free will offerings, publish them for so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord God. The Lord is angry at Israel. Amos has come to proclaim God's judgment against her. It doesn't matter if the nation of Israel is dependable and exacting in the giving of their tithes and offering if their behavior negates God's law. In a passage that is uh, thymomalically engrossed by Yeshua, Matthew 23:23, God makes it clear that stringent attention to the law in one area isn't an excuse for license in others. So, if you want to just go by one law, but you don't want to go by another law, by you going by that one law does not make up for the other laws. You're still lacking. That's what God is telling us in Matthew 23, 23. So if you're doing all the other laws, but you're not giving, 
you're not giving, then you're lacking in all the laws. God gave us 630 commandments, but 10 we go by because that, that's what we grew up with and we were taught. And all the commandments are not for everybody. Some are for the Levites, some are for the priesthood, some are for, like, the rabbis, some are for the leaders in the church, some are for the ley line people. But the Ten Commandments that we know of that's in the Bible, that's for everybody. Now, the robbing of God, Malachi 3, verses 8 to 9. Robbing of God, Malachi 3, verses 8 to 9. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Throughout the Old Testament, an offering was something you gave, but the tithe was something you owed. It belonged to the Lord, and it was repaid. It wasn't a gift on top of the importance of recognizing God's sovereignty in the tithe. The whole priestly system relied on the tithe to stay functional. A particular interest is here. Is is it interest here is is the how the withholding of some of Israel put the whole nation at risk of God's judgment. So you see, it is telling us in Malachi. Oh, one second, y'all. Hold on. Uh oh. I think closed on me. I can't believe it. What happened? Oh my gosh, y'all! My my whole um computer thing just went down. Hold on, Let's see if I can get it back. Okay, thank you, Lord. Okay, so uh, Malachi three eight nine is telling us how we're robbing God. And that when you rob God, you get judged. So a lot of this judgment is on the earth. It's not just for wicked and sin and nasty laws they make in and homosexuality, lesbianism, you know, smoking, drinking, fornication, prostitution. Nah. It's also because we, as a church, don't tithe and give free will offerings and annual offerings as we should. Bottom line. Now, number 14, testing God in tithes. God says test him. Malachi 3, verses 10 to 12. Malachi 3, verses 10 to 12. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The church. Whether it's a building or not. That there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more needed, I will rebuke the devour for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, but you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. Some of you might have heard the radio show. It was maybe like... Three weeks or four weeks ago, um, somebody had just donated five hundred dollars to me, and I it was and I can't even remember the young man's name. <laughs> um, there was a young man he had been, you know listened to me for a while, and, and God just told me to give him that five hundred dollars, and that's the third or fourth time God has told me to do that. And every time He tells me to do that, somebody had just sold the five hundred dollars to me. I'm telling you no lie. The Lord is my witness. So this is the third or fourth time somebody had just sold five hundred dollars to me. And the Lord said, give it to him. And and now the Lord had been pressing me to start my um, Wisdom Essence of Beauty training and coaching, LLC, which I have now, right? 
But I'm like, God, where am I get the money from? It costs money. You got to pay the lawyers to do that, right? And so, you know, I forgot about that. And then I, he told me to give the man the $500. So I gave it to the man at Western Union the next day, right? Do you know somebody turned around a week later and gave me all the money I need to pay the lawyer to incorporate my business for me in 10 days? Because you have to pay a little extra to get it done in 10 days. But it was enough to pay him extra to get it in 10 days. It was also enough to pay them to file to get my license for me because I would have had to go through a whole bunch to do that. You know what I'm saying? And then it was enough to get a website built, an inexpensive website built, and and, 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 and that's going to be done sometime next month. I mean, gave me, and then I had just a little bit left over for myself, and I was I was praising God for that little bit because I, I, I needed it. And, and, and just a week later, a week later, so I'm telling you, when you sow into somebody's life, whether they're a stranger or not, a church where you're being fed, a ministry where you're being fed, God will answer you. He will answer you. Now, he says, test him. He tested me, and I tested him. When he told me to get that $500, he knew I was going to start using that $500 to save toward the money I need to pay the attorney to do the corporation for me because I didn't know how to do it myself. And if I would have did it myself, I would have still needed five, $600 to do it, right? But it would have took me two months. So he knew I was going to start saving this money toward what I need. But he told me to turn around and give it to this young man. So that put me at zero at the beginning. And I trusted God, and I did it, and I passed the test. And he gave me every penny that I needed plus a little more. Plus a little more. Wow. He blew my mind when he did that. I was singing, dancing, crying when I was. <laughs> now, in God's mercy, God definitely wants us, definitely wants us the, the carrot rat. Okay, if God, he'll try to get his people to respond to promises of blessings for the obedience instead of having to bring the hammer of judgment down. Now, in verse 10 of Malachi, Chapter 3, the Lord reiterates the problem. The storehouses are empty. If they would only be compliant, there would not only be a full larder, but there would experience overabundance of provision and freedom from want. Their abundance would also be proof that God was in Israel, making them the envy of nations. Now, do God just want your pastor, your apostle, prophets, leader, whatever? Do you think God just wants them to be rich and not you? Do you think God wants a pastor of a church of twenty or thirty thousand being worth a hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollars, maybe even more, and ain't nobody in the church worth that? Doesn't that sound unfair to you? Where does it say in the Bible our God is an unfair God? It says he's a just God. A just God. So why is it that only the leaders in the church are rich today? Why aren't the people? I mean, yeah, you got a few people in there that got some money. Then you got these secular people, uh, uh, like that man who played uh, Medea preaching in Joel Steen Church. Then you got some other famous athlete preaching in church. I said, Daddy, they're starting to integrate the church just like you told me they was going to do. So, yeah, you got those kind of people in there, but I'm talking about God's people. Why ain't none of us rich? 
Does it say in the Bible that only the leaders can be rich? No. Why are the leaders rich? Because they know the laws of tithing. Even the ones that have contracts with Satan. They cannot give outside of their own little demonic community, but they give within their community. You know why? They got so many to give. Look at all these big corporations and restaurants that that all in covenant with the devil. They give amongst themselves. So because they give amongst themselves, the tithing law falls on them because it's a universal law. It's in Proverbs. You give, you increase. You don't give, you decrease. God didn't just say it for his righteous one. He made a universal law. So that's how Satan is tying into that. But yet the church or the stiff-necked ones, they don't want to give. Now, what Jesus said, what did Yah say about tithing? Giving in secret, Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Like when I gave that money on the radio show, I got off the radio show. And I asked God, I said, God, why did you have me do that? You've never, I mean, once or twice he had me offer like 100 bucks or something like that to somebody on Periscope, I believe it was, and once on YouTube. Uh, it was a couple times on Periscope and once or twice on YouTube. But I said, Daddy, you haven't really never done anything like that before. And he, and, and he never said anything. So my brother Daniel, I called him, he asked me to text, he texted me as we called my call. And he said, God wanted me to tell you the reason why he did it that way, because all of those people who were listening and will listen, it's making them recognize many people have made promises to God to give to this place, that place, and they don't do it. And when you make a vow or a promise to give so tied, you don't do it, it becomes a sin. You have a grace period to either do it or repent. Once that's over it, judgment hits you. Once you sin and don't keep your word to God, judgment is already on top of your head, but it has not been hammered down because you have a grace period to either do it or repent. If you don't do neither, then the judgment will fall on you, and where will it hit you? In your finances. Because that's what you promised. You promised to give so-and-so $100. You promised to sow somewhere. You promised to do 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 Or you promised to loan so-and-so, and you didn't do it. So it's going to hit you financially. If you promise somebody to use your car for a week, you're in Nick, you don't repent, it's going to hit you in your car. Whatever you promise to do and give and you don't do, it's going to hit you right there. A lot of you didn't know that, did you? So beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others truly. I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees it in secret will reward you openly. Now, the terrible thing about our acts of devotion is how easy they are to twist in order to put our faithfulness on display. Once we made ourselves the objects and focus of our generosity, we have undermined the act. God has already promised reward for the faithfulness of his saints. But Yeshua, Jesus tells us that when you draw attention to your giving, the respect and awe you inspire becomes your reward and validating further blessings. So like on Facebook, you see it all the time, even on YouTube, you know, um, 
I, 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 I didn't, when, 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 when people was, you know, donating money to help the homeless, you know, I would make videos to show them, not showing off, but to show them what I did with the money, you know, because a lot of people be like, oh, I need money, and it's helping their homelessness, helping <laughs> their pocket, so I made videos to show the food, and then I made videos to show that I was giving it. But God knew I was doing it so that the people would know I was doing it so they wouldn't think I was cheating them or scandaling them out of their money. So so, so something like that's different. But, like, I've seen many videos on YouTube and Facebook where people are driving and they see a homeless person and they turn on their Periscope or their YouTube or Facebook and show that they're giving somebody sneakers or money. That's their reward. That's the reward. See, things like that, if you're driving along, you see somebody walking barefooted, you decide to stop and give them your sneakers or money, that's supposed to be done in secret. That's not supposed to be put out on Facebook to get shock and awe because the shock and awe is exactly what your reward is going to be. And whatever reward that God would have given you, you forfeited it. You invalidated it. You will get no further blessings from it because you wanted to show off for man. You wanted to be honored by man. And what does God say in the word? Don't look for honor in man. Look for me. Look for honor from me. So when you see them people on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope, you know, Instagram, whatever they do, and and they're showing you all they're driving along and the homeless people come and they they recording it, they got somebody else recording it, and they show you what they're doing, you need to click away from it. Don't even comment and be like, wow, God bless you, that was wonderful. No, it wasn't, because God said we're supposed to do it in secret. We are not supposed to honor anybody that does it openly like that. Now, when you feeding the homeless, big groups of homeless people, and you're a ministry that thrives off a donation to do that, you have to at times show them that you're doing it. God excuses that because he knows you're not doing it to get props. But when you just randomly want to do it and you want to just put it all over Facebook or Periscope or YouTube Instagram, wherever you want to put it at, just to show off, you invalidated further blessings from God that you would have got. Now, when you with somebody, you out somewhere. Somebody asks you for help. You give it to them. Obviously, God wanted that person to witness it. The Lord told me that. Whoever you be hanging out with, wherever you be, and somebody asks you for help, somebody asks you for money, obviously, God wanted that person to witness your giving because he wants that person to start doing it as well. And then other people around you who are strangers watching you, he wants them to start doing it. Because God has done that to me many a times. He has had people with me and other people around me and had me stop and give people, talk to them, pray for them, hug them, because he wants people to see it because he wants them to do it too. Because they're busy crying out for a blessing, but they don't even want to give a dollar to somebody in need. Worse off than them. Keep up with the time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number 16, don't neglect the waiter issue. Don't neglect the waiter issues. Matthew 23, 23. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tired of men and dealing coming, and have neglected the waiter matters of the Lord, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. 
The picture here of the religious person carefully measuring out their spices to ensure that their tithe is exact while ignoring justice and mercy is powerful. To show concern for tithing your smallest crops while ignoring the law's weightier concerns is short-sighted. You got people every week they get the same tithe, which you're supposed to do, but that's all they get. They don't give free will offerings out of the 90%. They don't give yearly offerings or annual offerings every three years. That's all they do. So what's going to happen is you're going to get what the tide gets you, basic necessities, place to live, roof over your head, and food to eat, and a car if needed, your job. But that's it. you got people been in church for years, never owned a house, never even rented a house, never even rented or owned a townhouse. Never even rented a car and they and they can drive. Don't even know what it's like to be in a three bedroom apartment, let alone a two bedroom apartment. Don't even know what it's like to not even have a new car. Fifty years. Twenty, thirty, forty years in church. Every year that goes by we are supposed to progress. We are supposed to grow at some point. But year after year, your year is the same. Keep going to the same church, doing the same thing. All you keep doing is time. You ain't getting any more than what you already got because you're not doing any free will sowing every week neither. Some people are like, oh, I tithe every week, and I give sometimes I'm a 90%. No, I just gave you scriptures to prove we must give our free will offering every time we get money, every time you get paid, every time you get some extra money. Some of y'all, you know you gamble. You should be gambling. You can do a scratch off the lotteries, and you ain't supposed to do it in your head. What you do? You don't give. You get extra bonus. Income tax come. Oh, you done planned that huge income tax check out. Ain't no giving in it. Not one penny of free will offering is in it. You find money on the street. You ain't standing no free will offering. And when I say free will, don't just take it as, okay, once a week I got to do free will as I do tithing. You do free will outside of that as well as, as as God leads you. If God leads you to do free will offering and you tithe it every week, and then he turn around ten times out of that month and have you do a free will offering, then do it. Because obviously he got multitude of blessings coming to you. And I'm a living witness of that. Every time I give, he blesses me. And it's not always going to be money. It's going to be other things that you need that's just as important as money. It could be open doors. It could be a, all kinds of stuff. You could want to go on a trip. You can need training. Somebody may pay for it, or you may get in it, the training for free. Like the man who comes in and exterminates at my house. He offered to go upstairs in the attic and take a picture of the, the, the those things you need to put into the the heater thing, the vent changes, whatever you call them darn things, <laughs> and told me when he comes every three months, he'll gladly put it in for me. Because Robson don't do addicts. <laughs> I don't. I mean, my the bat was going to do it for me because he's skinny. Even if I'm skinny, I don't do addicts. You know? <laughs> and he offered to do it. So when he comes every three months, he's going to do it. That's a blessing. From free will tithing. And I can tell you other things that people are doing for me. I mean, this guy mows my lawn every two weeks, 
is a big old backyard in front. Forty dollars. That's it. Forty bucks. Forty bucks. Unheard of. These are like blessings, y'all. They're blessings, and I can go on and on. But these things aren't blessings to people. The only thing blessing is to a person is getting money. No, God is not going to always give you money back. Most of the time, he's going to give you money when you sow your money. But I would think like to think 10 to 20% out of that 100% of the time he's going to do that, it's going to be other things like open doors, little blessings here, savings here, favor here. Like I was missing my son, and he was going to go to see his little sister because he hadn't seen my daughter in, in, in about a year. And I said to him on the phone, I said, why I pray that you can come see me soon. So the girl who was supposed to watch the dog, because he got a little cute little dog, she couldn't watch the dog because she herself had an emergency. So he said, Ma, me and my friend, we're not going to be able to go see uh, uh, my, uh, Bria, my sister. He said, so my friend said, he'll just stay and watch the dog. And he said, why don't you go and see your mother? And so then my son was like, my God is answering your prayers. You just literally said that you pray I come. Why? Free will offering. So we can't just look at money as a blessing. You have to look at so many other things, how God blesses you. One more I'll give you. I got a fake plant. You know that. You've seen it on YouTube. <laughs> God know I wanted a plant to, to be in the background with the pictures, right? And I bought the living plant, but it was too hard to take care of, so I got rid of it, right? Me and Sister Pat in the store, I ain't even thinking about false plant. We go in there, oh, the Lord, the Lord, and I get me a plant. That's a blessing. So you got to start looking at everything in your life as a blessing and stop just looking at money as always being a blessing and look at other things as a blessing because out of 100%, 80% of the time he will bless you with the finances. But 20% of the time is going to be other things. You and your husband could have been arguing for a week or two. You and your wife, you know, you and the kids, and then all of a sudden everybody's getting along. Blessing. <sighs> okay, now, number 17. We're almost finished. Excuse me. And uh, number 17, the faithful giver, Mark 12, verses 41 to 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which made a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. But they are contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. Obviously, the point of this passage is in the faith of the widow to give what she had out of poverty. This is a beautiful picture of trusting in God, Yahweh's provision, and Yeshua, Jesus' response to this act of faith demonstration, God, Yahweh's feeling toward our sacrifice and generosity. What is also interesting is the fact that Yeshua went out of his way to sit and watch people give their offering. God is interested in our giving. It is a century. He recognizes more than we do how our faith is revealed and our habits are given. So do you know that God watches you 
That's right. He got eyes everywhere. He watches you. You got angels that watch you and report to God what you're giving, okay? So wherever you give, he knows. And if you don't give what you're supposed to give and you hold back, he knows. And you shall be measured. It says in the Bible we'll be measured by our works as well as our relationship with the Lord. Our works is our merits. Works is merits. Okay, so you got a person that's a good person, lives all their life, they gave, 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 gave. Rich person, or, you know, maybe not so rich person, but they gave all the time. But the relationship wasn't right with God, right? So they get before the Messiah. They get weighed on the scale, like it says in Revelations and through the Bible, right? And their good works outweigh their relationship with God. What do you think I have to that person? He's going to say, get from before me. Because God tells us all through the Bible, your works is not what gets you in heaven. Your works get you merits, but if your relationship is not right, those merits and works goes out the window. That's basically what he's telling us. So you could be a good giver, but if you don't have a right relationship with God, you know, you could do all the tithing you want, which is what we're supposed to do, but you also got to tie to God in a relationship. God says, I want 10%. What's 10% of your day? Two hours. That's two hours. You break it up how you want to break it up. But you got to give God at least 10% of your day, which is two hours. You have to find a way to make sure you are giving him two hours a day. People be like, but I work. Okay, I know. You work, okay? If you got to get up 5 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, sacrifice. Get up an extra 30, 40 minutes to an hour. That way, when you come home from work, you give them another 30, 40, 50, 60. Like, if you give them an hour in the morning, come home at night, you get settled, you give them another hour. You give them 30 minutes in the morning, you have to give them an hour and 30 minutes when you come home. You, or you could talk in your, you could pray and talk to them in your car, but you're still going to have to give them some type of time when you get home. So, see, you busy tithing, sowing a seed, free will offering. I mean, the way people do annual offerings in church now is when it's the leader's birthday. <laughs> Wait till I tell you about that one. <laughs> annual offerings in the in the church today is when it's the leader's birthday or when it's their anniversary, how long they've been in the church or how long they've had the church or how long they've been with God. That's the annual feast days, and those are the wrong days. Number 18, tithing and justice, Luke eleven forty two. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rule and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. There isn't part to be between Matthew and Luke and everything Yeshua says. But this is one of the instances where Luke also records Yeshua's words on a matter. Even to a Gentile like Luke, Yeshua words that we need to give and be mindful of expressing God's love and justice is important. So, when you show God's love, that's tithing. Sometimes people don't always have money to give because of your circumstances, family curses, whatever the case is, right? Or they might not have been a giver, so it's catching up to them. So you give love. How do you give love? If you can't touch the person tangibly, if you listen to them in the media, you pray for them. If you got skills, you offer your skills. You know, if they say, I need a website, or I need this, or I need that, you offer it. 
let them pray and let God tell them to take it. But you offered it. If you know they got a homeless ministry, you send them some canned goods, send them some clothes you 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 you, you, you don't need anymore. Just don't let a week go by and not tithe and not give some type of free will offering. Don't let a week go by. I wouldn't care for you have I have some people in the ministry right now that every week, it's like four or five of them, every week. One sold three dollars, one sold two fifty, one sold four, one sold five and seven. Because that's all they can do right now. But guess what? This seeds are gonna grow. I've seen people in this ministry start out like that. And then their seeds grow. Why? Because they're being obedient. And God honors your obedience. And he knows if all you got is $5 to sow a tithe, but you don't have nothing else out of your free will to give, he still will honor you. And he will put you in a position not only where you can tithe, where you can give a free will. And then he will put you in a position where not only you can tithe and get a free will done, he will put you where you can give an annual, yearly, big tithe. Number 19, tiny and pride, Luke 18, verses 9 to 14. Luke 18, verses 9 to 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, Thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Therefore, I would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. I tell you. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, the Pharisees in the parable find his value in judification and his devotional acts. He holds up his fasting and ties up to God like a Band-Aid <laughs> and a badge and thanks God that he isn't like this lowly tax gatherer. As we have seen, the tithe tied Israel together. It was an offering that was common to all and was used to take care of the nation's priests, widows, orphans, transients, Levites, and it wasn't intended to make the giver self-righteous and prideful. So you have many people in the church that like to show off, like to show their giving. Very boastful. You got pastors, leaders in the church, oh, I got three cars, I got a mansion. Oh, it, it, it's good to show what God is giving you. Yes, it's good to testify what God is giving you. But when you got a church that's struggling, that's poor, and they giving you all their money, and you sitting up there showing them your Hummer, your Benz, and your Porsche, your five, six-bedroom mansion, really? How you think that's going to make the church feel? They're going to look at you like, wait a minute, we making you rich. And as we making you rich, you making us poor. <laughs> all right? Because obviously they're not sowing into the fertile ground there. Because he keep getting rich, but they're not getting rich. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever, 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 ever put money at the feet of a man of God or a woman of God. Don't you do it. Because I'm going to tell you something. That's a satanic act. And when you do that, you are throwing your finances right at their feet. You better put that money. I, I don't care who it is. I don't care how righteous you think they, they are or they could be. You better put that money in an envelope or in one of their little dustbins, or in their hands. Don't you ever put cash or check 
money or the credit card. I don't care. Don't you ever throw it at no man's feet. And especially if they stomping all over it because they just don't took your finances from you. They just don't took your prosperity. This is why you see a lot of these African people and, and leaders in other countries, you see them people running up to them, putting money at their feet, and they ain't getting no richer, but the, but the man of God is getting richer because he's taking their prosperity. That is a satanic move. And when you see it, you better run out of that church. I tell you no lie. When does it say in the Bible, you got to throw money at a man's feet or a woman's feet? Where does it say that at? Did they throw money at y'all feet? No. Number 20, the last one. Tiding to Mazadite, Hebrews 7, verses 1 to 2. For this matter, that the king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham, returned from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, and to him Abraham appointed a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. <laughs> Get it? Now you know that was Yah. <laughs> Who is the king of righteousness? Yah. Okay, so that was Yah. And then he also, king of Salem, that is the king of peace. Who's the king of peace? Yah. God give you hints right in Hebrews 7 1. That was Yah. He done be a thumb done. Now, with this discussion on Abraham's tie to Mazadin, we've come full circle. Moses first tells us of this tie in Genesis and the author of Hebrews' readiness as he compares Yeshua's ministry to the feast of Mazadin. The author of the Hebrew argues that although the tithes were supposed to be paid to the Levites, Abraham gave a tip of his spoils to the priests. And that through the act of the Levites, also methodically tied to the priest, not only did the priest take a tithe from Ephraim, he blessed him. Hebrews often says, it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. The whole chapter compares the priesthood of Yeshua to this mystery Old Testament character. It's only appropriate that the last place the tithe is mentioned is being used to point to Yeshua. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You should think about. Yeshua is the first in everything. Yeshua died for us. So why wouldn't he be the first to take the first tithe? That's why he was Melchizedek. He was the king of righteousness. He was the king of peace. That was our Messiah that played the Melchizedek priest. He was the first one to take a tithe. Why? Because he's the first one for everything. He, he owns the church. God gave the church to Yah. So why wouldn't Yah be the first to take a tithe? And then give a tithe. He turned around the king and gave Abram a tithe. We so stuck or stupid, we can't even say what the Bible is telling us. So what does this mean for us? In the end, tithing wasn't something Israel did in the same way we mindlessly tossed a gratuity down with our bill at a restaurant. It was an intentional practice through which God intended to teach Israel about his sewage ownership of everything instead of being consumers of their blessings they had to stop and think through just how much blessings they had through the time god took care of his people and through the act of generous giving god continued to bless his people he continued to bless his people now here's what god let me learn i confirmed it boy was i shocked do you know every time you sow you're, you're tied. Every time you sow, you're tied. The, the Lord didn't equate this to your free will, 
see you're supposed to sow every week your um yearly big seed or annual big seed equated to the tithe. Every time you tithe, you get an angel. You don't believe me? You best to go pray and ask, and I guarantee you he will answer you. You get an angel. Why thinking like different prayers we do, or in the Bible it always says call legions. Look up what legions mean. Legions can be from two hundred to twenty five thousand. Why you think Yah? Had so many angels. See, this is what you got to catch. When Yah came to this earth, he was just like us. He debased himself and gave up his former estate like the fallen prince of Polities did. And he became an earthly man, but born through a virgin, but not with a man's semen, with God's semen, God's lions, makings with the Holy Spirit. He started doing signs and wonders. These women were so rich that was giving him money. It was, it was just ridiculous. They were wives of kings and dignitaries and chiefs. Mary Magdalene was one of the richest prostitutes ever, and she gave everything she had. Why do you think he was so rich? See, they, they, they tried to teach you he was poor. Why don't you read your Bible? Your Bible tells you how rich your Messiah was. Nowhere in the Bible does it say he was poor. It says he was lowly looking, meaning he wasn't that attractive. And he was black and brass and skinny with nappy hair. But it don't say he was poor. But yet people will stand there and argue with you and say, oh, you ain't supposed to have no money. You ain't supposed to be rich. Your Messiah, boy. Girl, read the Bible, because it says in the Word he was rich. What makes you think that God would have him here, doing what he did and not give him wealth? God is an intelligent God. He knows you need money, because money makes this world go round. And he knows you can't bring nobody to his foot if they hungry and got a hole in their belly. Or they sick and need a new heart. Or their marriages will crumble. It takes money to counsel, to mentor, to feed, to convince people and show them the truth of the, of the Lord. So you really think he will let his son, the Messiah, be broke? Do you really think he'll let us be broke? We need to travel. We'll be invited places. Every church is not going to be able to sponsor you to get there. Sometimes you're going to sponsor yourself because it's not about you getting paid to preach. It's about you preaching the word of God and edifying the church and bringing souls to God and healing and casting out devils. So don't let you, nobody tell you your Messiah was poor because he wasn't. Learn your Bible. You'll be able to show them the scriptures to prove it. So now every time you tithe, you get an angel. So if you're a person that tired every week, every two weeks, let's say you tired every two weeks. That's two angels a month. That's 24 angels. If you tired every week, what is that, 48 angels? And you're like, are you serious, Apostle? Yep, very. Brain ass God. They complain? See, Satan don't want us to know these things. Why do you think he's raising up people trying to abolish tithing? Why Why do you think he has given the church the attitude, oh, I'm not tired, and all they want to do is get rich? Okay, if you think your pastor, whoever your leader is, or whoever you're listening to, if you think all they want to do is get rich off your money, then you need to pray and ask God to send you somewhere else to sow your tithes. 
Because while they get rich, you get broke. And you're sinning against God. So you keep that holier than attitude if you want to. And say, oh, I'm not tired because all they're going to do is get rich. Okay, you keep tired because you're going to stay broke while they keep getting rich because other people are going to be tired. Oh, every week when I get paid, all I have is $50 left. Okay, take your tired out of it. You get paid $400 a week. You're supposed to take God's 10% out of that before you even pay your bills. Do you know that? You are supposed to take God's 10% out before you even pay your bills. And then what you got left over, if $50 is your 90%, then you can take one, five, whatever you want percentage out of that and sow your free will seed. But before that year is out, you got to sow your annual seed. So if you have to, you just save up. You just save up monthly for your annual fee. I wouldn't care if it was five, ten dollars a month. So, but it, but it has to be greater than what you normally give. I'm telling you this. This is the word of God. It's in the Bible. Now every time you sow a tithe, you get an angel. And every time you sow your tithe and your goodwill seed, you're guaranteed a blessing. You are guaranteed. The Bible tells us this. I just gave you the scripture. And you must sow where you're being fed. So if you're sitting in a dead church, but you're listening to somebody on the media, and you're getting your deliverance and everything you need from that media, that's where you need to be sowing your seed. Instead of being obligated to a church that's a dead church and ain't doing jack for you. Or if you're in a physical building church and that church is doing stuff for you, but yet you're still listening to someone else that's feeding you too, you're obligated to sow the bowl for them. You cannot be fed one place and sow there, but then go somewhere else and eat and don't sell. That is unfair justice in God's eyes. Read your word. Now, people who are having marriage problems, do you know before you got married, you were supposed to sow a marriage seed? I learned this, and I asked God. He said, yeah. You are, before you get married, you are to sow a marriage seed to the ministry you follow, church you at, whatever, where you've been fed at, or or, or the pastor who's going to marry you. You have to sow a marriage seed before you walk down that aisle. This is why a lot of you, it's not that a lot of people are married to the wrong person, although we know that it's true. <laughs> but at times, it, it, it's not just, just because you're married to the wrong person. It's also because you didn't sow a marriage seed. Because when you sow a marriage seed, you get two angels specifically over your marriage. See, you got to understand something. God got all kinds of angels you can think of. For anything that exists in this earth that's of good tendencies that God deemed out his mouth or created or thought it, there's an angel for it. So when you sow a marriage seed, you get two angels over your marriage. So even if you did marry the wrong one, eventually it will work out. So if you marry, even if you ain't having problems or you is having problems, 
You need to sow a marriage seed. I don't care if you've been with your, your spouse 10, 20 years. You need to sow a marriage seed, and you need to ask God where you should sow it. And when you sow it, you better pray over it and tell God, I'm sorry, I didn't know I was ignorant. I didn't sow a marriage seed. But I'm sowing it now because your word says it's never too late to repent and seek forgiveness. And bless that marriage seed and ask God where you should sow it. Don't sow it where you want to sow it. Ask God where you should sow it and how much it should be. Do you know when you celebrate your birthdays, you bring curses on you? I keep trying to tell people this, but they don't want to listen to me. When you celebrate your birthdays, you bring a curse on yourself. It is pagan origin. It is not a God. In the Bible days, they did not celebrate birthdays. Because when you celebrate your birthday, you're honoring yourself and not God. You're taking the glory from God. God created your behind, not you. So every time you celebrate your birthday, you don't believe me? Ask God. Every time you celebrate your birthday, you curse your finances. That's exactly what he told me. You want to know why you curse your finances? Because you take your money, you get drunk, you drink, you buy cake, you buy gifts, you do this, you do that. You expect people to give you money and gifts. So financially, you'll be cursed for that whole year. Don't believe me? Pray and ask your father. I have no reason to lie to you. None at all. Because it's not a God. Celebrating these Christmases, Thanksgiving, you're cursing yourself. Cursing your finances. What are you doing on Christmas? You buy gifts. You buy stuff to fix up your house. What are you doing Easter? You buy Easter suits and eggs and all this and put money in eggs and let your kids act like bunny rabbits and go out in the church and find eggs with money. What are you doing on Thanksgiving? You buy these elaborate meals with your money. What are you doing? What are you doing th- uh, on Halloween, which is Satan's birthday? You go and buy candy to give it out. Get your kids a costume, and that's what they're going to become in the spirit world. Fourth of July. What do you do? You buy all kinds of expensive meat and cook out. Mother's Day. What do you do? You buy an elaborate gift for your mother for that one special day. You're using your finances, so you're going to be cursed. So remember. Every time you saw a child, every week, every two weeks, you get an angel. God did not tell me you get one when you do your free wills and all of that. The Lord didn't tell me that. But he did say, he did say when when you, he did say when, every time you tithe, we get an angel. And then he said to me, I confirmed this with them, He said, the more angels you get, the more deliverance you get. The more angels you get, the more your finances come up. The more angels you get, if you're in the ministry, the more your ministry will come up. The more angels, some some people are dealing with treacherous demons, treacherous wicked spirits. Some people are in severe bondage. No matter what they do, they can't get out of it. You need angels. You need angels. You need deliverance angels. God's angels are more prominent than we think. God's angels do a lot of God's work. God will send an angel to deliver you. It's not always just you that will come or the rock. And when when we at places and we see devils getting cast out in the name of Yeshua, lots of times it's angels there making sure that those devils come out. 
God said, the more angels you get, no, like the more angels you get, no car accidents that the enemy could try for you and your family. The more angels you get, the more your family is protected, regardless if they're not living right or not. And the more angels you get helps your family to live right and have more salvation. It helps God to add some more because you have more angels. The more angels you get, the stronger you get. God will take you from a two-bedroom apartment to a three, four, five-bedroom house, whether you own or rent, and eventually he'll take you to your own. God will take you from your business being in your house to giving you an elaborate office building. God will take your church from being in your house or in a hotel room or in your garage and give you a building. God will take your homeless ministry out of your kitchen and give you an industrial kitchen in the building to cook for your homeless people. May I go on? God will change your life. So this is how our lives begin to change because the more we tie, the more angels we get. And when the angels come, that is blessings. Every angel that comes to us, that's assigned to us, even our guardian angels and ministry angels. And that's another thing. The more you come up in ministry, the more you give on to God's people by sowing into them with the word of God, healing, praying, if you're a prophet, fear. The more you do for God, the more ministry angels you will get. And they will do things for you that you can't do yourself. And they will fight for your ministry. If it was not for some of our ministry angels, some of our ministries may not still be standing. We gave up a long time ago because of the adversity and attacks that we get being in the ministry, especially being a prophet, especially speaking the truth of God. Many times you could have been in an accident, but you wasn't because you have a host of angels. This is why people die at a drop of a hat, die untimely, kids dying. They ain't got no protection, y'all. They don't have no heads of protection, and they don't have no angels because ain't nobody giving in the family, whether through finances, love time, or spending time with God. Nobody's giving. Everybody's godless. When you're living as a homosexual, a lesbian, a fornicator, a drunkard, a drugger, you have no protection. Angels cannot be around sin. The heads of protection cannot protect sin. So this is what the Lord wanted me to come out of my hiding <laughs> that he's put me in and teach, all right? So I don't know when I will be back again. It is led by the Lord. Um, I, I did have a, um, a vision a while back that I, I will tell you guys. I uh, was, uh, it was like a video. I was sort of huge ship. I think it was naval. I'm not sure. It could have been a Marine ship, an Army ship. I'm not sure, Air Force ship. But it was those big grayish, blackish ships they have. And um, it was some foreign terrorists had snuck on the ship and took, it was a lot of white men on, on this ship. It was other nationalities, but it was all white soldiers. And um, they made them strip them down, and they had on their boxer shorts and their white socks. And they made them go to the edge of the ship. You know those long ships where the planes could fly off of? They made them go to the end, and they were either about to shoot them or make them jump into the ocean. So you're going to hear 
about some kind of military ship. It, they looked at like they were American. The, the men and, and the terrorists looked they they looked at Middle Eastern. I'm not sure, but I think it's going to happen in America. But it may happen in another country. But I would say 70% America and 30% another country. You're going to hear about a ship being seized by terrorists. Um, And you're also going to hear about these migrants drowning even more than ever before trying to come over to these different places to escape uh, death where where they're coming from. And so that's the word of the Lord. And also September, I've already told you guys about September a couple of times. September is going to be an awesome month. You know, we're going to hear some crazy stuff happening in September, you know, in the world. But for the most part, September, October, and November, but especially September and October are going to be kickoff months. They're going to be good months, not just financially, but in all kinds of ways. Some people are going to explode into promises, into destinies. Doors are going to open, you know. Uh, by the time October is finished, a lot of people will have will be done have cut a lot of people out of their lives. You probably will have new friends by that time. There's going to be some engagements among people before the end of October hits. Some people are going to be moving into new places, new houses, new apartments, new states, new towns, new communities, new streets. Um, transition and jobs are coming. You know, transitions and finances is coming. You know, a lot of great things are coming for September, October, November, and December because the Lord told me at the beginning of the year that the latter part of the year would be so much greater. But you're going to see a lot of stuff happen. And keep Hawaii in prayer because I told you Hawaii was going to be judged really bad this year, and they have California as well, and they have to keep them in prayer. You're going to hear some things coming out of Alaska. There's going to be some things coming out of there. Um, there's going to be more secrets being revealed with our government. I told you all the things that's happening to Trump now. I told you the Lord said it. Um, I told you in the beginning of the year there would be a lot of arrests of politicians, and it's happening. So more secrets are going to be coming out. And um, like I told them on Patreon, Obama, Obama, Obama. <laughs> He's not finished. <laughs> that's all I can say. So and pray for our nation because we need it. Pray against catastrophic events that is coming that's not of God. Ask God to impeach, impeach them before they even come, before they even get off the ground. Because there's stuff coming from God, but there's stuff coming from the enemy. And you need to ask God to impeach them to Stop them to, to cancel out the destruction before it comes. Just be like, Father, anything that's not in you, that's from the enemy, stop it before it comes. In Yeshua's name. All right, so this is the end of the show. I thank you for tuning in to my um, Authentic Mantle radio show. And I don't know when I'll be back. Um, and I will not be on Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook um, into, into, into the future, near future, when I'm told to, to, to go back. I did not erase my videos on um, YouTube. They're in private. I didn't do that. Last time I did that, and God was like, why did you do that? So this time he told me to put them in private. So I don't know when I'll be back on those medias. It's when God says so. But if you want to keep up with me, you can go to my Patreon page, 
um, which is www.patreon.com forward slash Prophetess Roslyn, R-O-S-A-L-I-N-D, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-N. $10 subscription, $20 subscription. Um, also, I do coaching on there as well. And um, I've been putting stuff on, on my prayer blogs and my regular blog, which is www.get-2-heaven.com and prophetessrosalindsolomon.blogspot.com. Also, on my website, www.protheticvoiceofyeshoesministry.org, I no longer am taking prayer requests, nor is the contact page there. But when God sends me back out, I will put the contact page back up because people may want to contact me to preach or something. But I'm not putting the prayer page up. The Lord told me it was time to take it down. So when I do come back out on the media, the only time I will be able to pray for people is when I'm doing a prayer show or when the teaching is over and I have time to pray, I will pray. That would be the only way. Or people can write my P.O. box um, but I I don't accept pages past one page front and back because my, my eyes can't handle all that reading. So, you know, you can send your prayer requests to uh, P.O. Box 17710, uh, P.O. Box 17710, Atlanta, Georgia, 30316. You can write it out to Bartheny Voice of Shoes Ministry. Also, if you want to send donations there, you can. If you don't do PayPal or none of that stuff, all right? And if you do send prayer requests only front and back, please make it legible because if I can't read it, I won't read it, all right? So just letting you know those things. So when the Lord sends me back to Blog Talk, I will be back. But like I said, if you want to keep up with me, you can go to my Patreon page because I'm putting stuff up there like every two days now, and I intend to continue to do that and things like that, all right? So God bless everybody. I thank you for taking the time to uh, to listen to this radio show. So we're going to leave with Seven Days Without Prayer by Ben Taker. Here you go. It's another day and the same old thing. I can't seem to get it together. Yeah.